little bit of everything here, Jimmy, on Lonely Town, a killer's podcast. Of course, as always, is Jimmy and Derek. And uh, we're here to break down some killer songs and uh, the what's happening on the uh, on the scene. Is that what the kids are calling it nowadays? Uh, that's what they were calling it a couple weeks ago, but it's probably moved on since then. And uh, break down what, what's going on in the world of the killers. Uh, we, we're going to have some fun this episode. It's going to be a little different, um, and I like that. And before we get started, I had to give a shout-out officially, Jimmy. An official shout-out to London Red Squirrel over on the the Reddit. Made a nice post about getting a shout-out uh, on the podcast, kind of, when we were talking about some things and uh, talking about the, the man in the red and, yep. and some comments there. So if you want a shout-out, it's not that hard. Me and Jimmy <laughs> are pretty easy to, to get a hold of, and we appreciate uh, the comments over there, all the nice things people were saying about the show on Reddit, and uh, we're going to try, I'm going to try not to be so scared to bring up some topics, I guess, or, or dive into some some places where I might have been trying to avoid a little bit, because uh, if I learned anything, Jimmy, the victims, they, they got our backks, so I'm happy about that. When we talked about This River is Wild, I made a mention that someone had brought up to us that the Man in Red was the circus ringmaster, and I didn't, I wasn't specific, but they caught the reference about themselves, but so thank you to for sending me a, a message on Instagram, and we saw your comments on Reddit. Thanks. We love the interaction. Yeah, me and Jimmy are just sharing our opinions. If you guys have opinions about things we covered or might cover or whatever, feel free to share it. We might agree with you. We might not. We might share it on the show. We might not. But there's always good interaction there, and uh, we're uh, we're just talking about the killers, so it's nothing nothing too serious, nothing to get all all uh, worked up about, anyways. On if we don't agree on interpretations or whatever, but. Today, Jimmy, we're going to break down a little bit of everything, which is a song by Dawes, who uh, was in town, uh, I guess it was a week ago, a little over a week ago in Salt Lake City. And let this be a lesson to everybody. Just quit your jobs and just go to every little indie, indie show. Go to all the small shows around town, especially if you're in Salt Lake. You're probably going to see Brandon or run into Brandon, or he might have a guest spot on, on stage. So if you want to meet Brandon... Because we, when we interviewed or talked to John Ayer uh, earlier, when we interviewed him back with the episode, he was telling us some of the shows that Brandon was going to at the time. I think he was telling us. I can't remember what was said on the recording and, and just talking. So uh, I think when Brandon's not on tour, he goes to a lot of different kind of local shows. So And he's not going to be front row um, jumping up in the mosh pit because pretty recognizable guy. But anyways... Uh, the other day, Dawes was in town, and John got a nice recording of Brandon being a guest uh, performer with him, which I guess is something that he's he does. I'm not that familiar with Dawes, to be honest. Uh, but I say he, they're a band, but they're broke. I, I, when I say he, and talking about Dawes, I mean the lead singer, who's Taylor Taylor Goldsmith. So whenever I say he, I mean Taylor Goldsmith, but Dawes is a band. So uh, anyways... They were in town, and I, it looks like Dawes has guests come up uh, from time to time. And uh, he's pretty well-known, I guess, as a writer. Um, I looked into some stuff. They kind of had a weird connection. I was watching a lot of what he he and Brad Paisley, I guess they wrote together quite a bit. And Brad Paisley's uh, in, in the country music world and a really good guitarist. But I was watching some stuff on YouTube, and apparently they wrote together, like, they said every day for a year. I don't know how accurate that is, but... Came up with some good songs, and apparently he's been writing with Brandon and the Killers, and uh, came up with some good stuff. So, uh, woke up one morning, saw that John had posted 
uh, some some videos of what happened the night before, and I thought we'd, we'd talk about it and break down uh, kind of the significance of Brandon's line and why that made me so happy. Yeah, so thank you, John, for uh, when he posted it. I think he said this is something that he's been manifesting to the universe for some time to happen, and it finally did. So we have to give credit to John for making that happen, even if it was just by knowing that it should happen. I sure will. John has enough of those connections to know what should or shouldn't be happening. Yeah, I think uh, with the runaway horses, he was the one with the Phoebe force, too, that he was trying to make yeah. happen. So uh, John John knows his music. He knows his stuff. So when I contacted him... I mean, uh, he was at the Rage Against the Machine concert in Spanish. Yeah, yeah. What more do you have to say? Uh, I contacted him to see if I could share the full video. He had a clip up on Instagram, and then he had a whole video over on his uh, YouTube page, which if you're not following John and your Killers fan, you really should. He's very funny and entertaining. <laughs> and he's got, you know, the musical stuff going on there, too, uh, with Brandon and, and whatever's going on with the Killers. But uh, I just wanted to make sure we could share the full YouTube. I didn't want to be like, hey, man, stole your stuff and put it on our page. I like to do that. Cover my bases. <laughs> not make enemies. So so I contacted him. I said, hey, can we put that up on our, on our uh, Facebook page? And he gave me the go for it. But then he wrote me this uh, afterwards, and we were just kind of having a conversation. He said, go for it, bro. And then he said, Brandon was pretty proud of that funeral potatoes green, uh, that funeral potatoes jello green lines, what he wrote. But I think he meant green jello. I don't know. Well, the way he sings it in the song is, I like my jello green. So I guess so. So I guess that is what he meant. But uh, do you want to break down funeral potatoes, Jimmy? Do we want to get into this? Yeah. So just um, like you were saying, I just wanted to mention too, I, I didn't know much about Dawes, I guess. I knew that they had some connection to the one of the Christmas songs, which when I re-looked it up, it was Christmas in L.A. And the other thing I wanted to mention about the song before we talk about Brandon's uh, changes to the lyrics was, if you're listening, Scott, you'll probably like this the Dawes full studio version. It's a very storyline-based song. That's who reminded I, me of country song, a country song. That's the kind re, of stuff that you like. That's who it reminded me of too. When, when we were listening to it, I said, "Yeah, you know who's gonna like this guy?" <laughs> it's old, old Scott and uh, the Brad Paisley. So I'm not 100 percent sure he wrote this song, but they were writing and they performed it together. And it was after they said that they've been writing for for all uh, a year or whatever for all year. It's Brad Paisley's song called "Same Here." Uh, which just kind of goes down about how we're a lot the same, you know, whatever, no matter where you're at. But there was a line in here, and I thought uh, I thought the same thing. I thought, yeah, Scott would like it. I should turn – I don't know. Maybe he's heard it. Maybe it's a famous Brad Paisley song. I haven't been keeping up <laughs> on my Brad Paisley. But there was a time when I was pretty big into Brad Paisley. I, I think I've seen him live like three or four times. So, uh, you know, fair, fair amount. But there's a, a verse where he says, I've got a friend across the ocean, seems like a million miles away. He says our worlds are very different. Yeah, that's true, by God's say. He's got his own kind of football team that lets him down every year. A wife who he loves a bunch of, anyways, then country that he holds dear. He goes on, but that part about the football team that he loves dear, and obviously referring to soccer, we got American football. But at the end of the year, all of our teams usually let us down because there's only one person. I mean, you know, only one team goes on to win a championship. So I just thought that was kind of clever writing, and it was for a country, and then, uh, that little bit of everything telling the story and some of Daz's other songs I've listened to this week. If you're into the storytelling, kind of the more country music, but without the twang, I think Daz might be your man or your band. Taylor might be your man. I don't know. And he's married to Mandy Moore. Or I don't know if they're married, but he's in a relationship with Mandy Moore, which for those of us of a certain age, 
we probably all had a, a little sweet thing for her as well. No comment. <laughs> yeah, so when Brandon joins him on stage and the crowd is excited. Obviously, you know, it's a Salt Lake show and it's a pretty small venue. I think it was at the Commonwealth Room, which I've never been to, but there's I've been to the sister the sister venue, the state room, and it's a very small Yeah. A very intimate show and would be a cool place to, to see him sing, but so in the Dawes song he gets to a verse about a guy at a buffet, and he's doing some deep thinking about the universe and about his life. And he says, so pile on those mashed potatoes and an extra chicken wing. But when Brandon sings it, he puts a little Salt Lake Mormon flair to it, and he says, so pile on those funeral potatoes, and I like my jello green, I think is how he said it. So we're going to talk about what, what that means to Salt Lake, for those of you who don't know. So Why we're so excited about this. Yeah. So funeral potatoes are a staple of the Utah culture, and they're exactly what it sounds like. It's a potato dish that's served at funerals. <laughs> An LDS funeral will typically be held at the church where the person went to church, and the ward or congregation that is supporting the family who's grieving will usually provide a luncheon. They'll, you know, they'll just ask for essentially potluck help for people to make food for the family so that between the, or after the funeral, the family can come back to the church, or after the burial, the family can come back to the church and have a lunch. They don't have to worry about preparing anything. You know, it's it's already a tough day. They can just, you know, spend time with family. They probably haven't seen for a while because, you know, families visited because from far away because of yeah, the death. There's usually a lot of people, I mean, you know, it's like a funeral where people come in from all over and you don't want to have to try to figure out how am I going to feed all these people or, you know, go to a restaurant while you're mourning and crying and... So they usually have it at the the church, like Jimmy said, and we have a, a cultural hall in the churches, which is like a big basketball court that they usually put up tables and, and things in, and that's usually usually where this is held. So there's a couple tweaks to the recipe, I'm sure. Oh, there's a lot. There's, <laughs> everyone's got, what I like about funeral potatoes is a man that's ate a, a bunch of them, because uh, you don't just have to have them at funerals. You can have them yeah. whenever, but they're called funeral potatoes because that but everyone kind of has their own own uh, little tweaking recipe on it or, or way they prepare them yeah so and this is one recipe from uh just a, a site that comes up when you search mormon funeral potatoes and anna in the kitchen.com so she says synonymous with utah where I actually live these cheesy funeral potatoes topped with crunchy cornflakes are a truly comforting dish make this ultimate comfort food at home with your kid that your kids will love so when you tell your kids that we're gonna have funeral potatoes <laughs> Some of us get excited. Yeah, some of us get excited. Most people would probably be like, "What? What? <laughs> what's what's dead inside of these this this dish?" It says a popular side dish of the funeral dinners of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. These Mormon potatoes are also known as funeral potatoes, cheesy potatoes, potato hot dish, or potato casserole. So, you know, just to bring up that you know you put cornflakes on <laughs> a potato casserole that you bake and. You know, so there's a little bit of crunchy. There's a little bit of, oh, you know, uh, there's some comfort there at, at a funeral. And they're good. In, like any kind of food, my opinion about foods from specific occasions is that if they're really that good, we would eat them at more than just the holiday or occasion that they're known for. So, like, stuffing. People eat it at Thanksgiving. Not a lot of people eat stuffing outside. Well, I don't, <laughs> I don't like stuffing. <laughs> so funeral potatoes... They're usually seen at that event, but because they're so good, 
like we mentioned, they they get eaten a lot. So you are you a fan of of like the the scalloped potatoes, like the the hash brown style, or like the little cube potatoes in your in your funeral potato? I like the slices. I think the slices is the way to go. I like the cubed and slices, and then and uh, some people don't ham. Sometimes sometimes ham gets in there. Sometimes uh, sometimes they don't put the cornflakes on top. I like yeah. a cornflake on top. Some say do like a chow mein, not chow mein. What's it called? Those like, onion. Yeah, those. Uh, what are those called? <laughs> like the little uh, browned onions or whatever they are. Yeah, yeah. They're like crispy. They're like a salad onion or something. Yeah, yeah. crispy salad something. If you haven't tried this, uh, maybe maybe uh, maybe look up a recipe, make your own version of it, and let me and Jimmy know how that went for you. You can post it. We'll post it on the on the websites for you. We'll put it on the Facebook page. Whatever you want, but I'd, I'd be interested in uh, in some people trying this and letting us know what they think about it. So something I learned from this website with the that has one version of a recipe is that this is such a part of the Utah culture that when the Olympics were held in Salt Lake in 2002, there were even pins, oh. Olympic pins that were created with funeral potatoes with the Olympic logo in the middle. So, you know, those are the kinds of things that pin makers love because... They can make money on a bunch of different, <laughs> a bunch of different things. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely a Utah cultural thing. Uh, I don't know if it's a, if it's so much an LDS or Mormon thing. I haven't went to a lot of funerals out of out of state, so I don't know if that's something that happens at other. If it's like a, a religious type thing, or if it's just a cultural type thing, uh, it might be a little bit of both. Where I mean, a lot of people have their roots uh, started here, and uh, I think one of the nice things, one of the reasons. I don't know. I kind of got excited when I heard that. It's like Brandon's accepting his Utah roots forever. We were talking about, you know, we want to acknowledge us. We want to be accepted. He's in Las Vegas. And we've talked about this. Pressure Machine comes out. But it seems like even now he's embracing it a little more. I, I don't know. Uh, he he lives in Utah, obviously. He came down to the Dawes show. But I'm wondering, had this been pre-Pressure Machine, if Brandon comes out and sings that uh, song with him, if he comes up with some other line or if he just sings the line. But it seems like he took some pride in putting his own spin on that, coming up with something that uh, showed the city and showed the the fans that not only is he you know famous musician, but he's culturally one of us. Like, and he can relate because of this line where everyone goes, "Holy crap! I know exactly what he's talking about." <laughs> yeah, and there, I I think there's nothing quite like a little spin like that to make. A crowd cheer a little bit louder at you know it's like when he brings somebody on stage for he some he brings up somebody local because he knows that the crowd will will connect with it and yeah it's, just, uh, it's mean, a smart thing to do and he could have just said to, you to know make it unique a little more mashed potatoes and another chicken wing and he could have yelled Salt Lake City just the same and he would have got good reaction anyways but uh, the fact that he went through that and we'll get into green jello here in a second he's a Utah at heart man I I know he went to Nevada I know they claim him I know he claims them but. Uh, for all points and purposes, and the reason we started this podcast is to bring out the Utah in the Killers and the Utah in Brandon uh, specifically, and it all lined up with Pressure Machine, and now it seems to be kind of going forward. It's got me excited for the EP coming out. I think it's going to be more kind of like the Pressure Machine. Maybe I'm getting my hopes up too high. I don't know anything, uh, but I'm hoping there's more Utah ties in that. The next line where he mentions... He likes his jello green. There's a Wikipedia article about the Mormon corridor and just talking about the areas of Western North America that were settled by members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints between 1850 and 1890. 
There's a subtopic <laughs> called Jello Belt. It says the Mormon Quarter has been nicknamed the Jello Belt due to the popularity of Jello in the region. And once again, one of the official pins of the 2002 Winter Olympics <laughs> in Salt Lake City was a green Jello jiggler in the shape of the state. <laughs> So, according to the L.A. Times, Salt Lake City is America's jello-eating capital. Every man, woman, and child in Salt Lake City buys two boxes of the stuff annually or twice the national average, says Mary Jane Kincaid of Jello brand gelatin maker Kraft Foods. Utah residents also eat twice as much lime jello as anyone else on the planet, which is their green jello. So, again, this is something that you'd find at a funeral, at a, at a, a, potluck. a potluck, at a family dinner. It's one of the things that my grandma would make when we would come to dinner at her house. She would stop other people from eating what was left because she had reserved it for me. So don't eat the rest of Jimmy's Jello. <laughs> was, it, was it green so, Jello? No, it was usually red Jello no. with marshmallows on top. And man, I was a Jello fiend as a little kid, <laughs> thanks to my grandma. <laughs> so yeah, Jello is just another cultural food. Green Jello. Green jello nobody else Utah. eats it. Utahns are again famous for coming up with some random ingredients to put in Jello. Sometimes we've got green jello with carrots, carrot shredded shredded carrots shredded in it. Carrots, cheese. I've had it cheese. with, I think it was pear jello with peach slices. Or I don't know. Just all, I mean, the combinations are endless. I think what kind of happened is uh, Utah would have big families. Like there's, when, when the culture, with the church, there's usually big families. And so if you're going to go to a potluck or something, you don't have a lot of money to spend on different things but jello is pretty cheap and affordable and so if you can make a good jello mold and then you you cut up your bananas or whatever you're gonna put in there shred some carrots whatever you got around the house sometimes all at the same time and, and you can put it in this jello mold and you show up and it it doesn't look like you just went and spent 80 cents or whatever it looks like you put together this this thing and a little goes a long way so uh yeah i i don't know again if this is just a cultural thing or if this goes on um with the church functions outside of Utah, but <laughs> it's not uncommon and, and it's, it's getting a little different, but you go to a, a Thanksgiving dinner or a potluck or something like that. There's, there's usually a couple jello salads and everyone has their own spin. Like Jimmy was saying on there. Uh, it, it's never really just straight up jello. Uh, occasionally it will be, but my mom would make a, a rainbow jello. Um, where That's she had what the, I wanted to bring up the different tiers. The uh, ultimate, what I would call the ultimate Jello recipe. You got to look this up. Just search seven layer Jello, and you'll see what Eric's talking about. Yeah, my my mom, that was her famous uh, go to. Would bring it, and it'd have, uh, I mean, just a, a layer of each flavor or color. I don't know. It all kind of tastes the same. Come <laughs> to find out, but uh, but the lime Jello, green Jello in Utah, it, it's just a thing. Um, Seven layer Jello is like taking a handful of Skittles of all the flavors and just eating it all at once. Again, I'd be interested if you're outside of the culture or or you haven't done this. Look up some Jello recipes. Uh, try it. Try it, some uh, green Jello with with shredded carrot in it or or cheese or don't eat the carrot one. Or, it's or, or marshmallow. Well, now you're now you're tainting the pool, Jimmy. You're, yeah, you're tainting the pool. There are recipes with vegetables in the Jello. I do not recommend it. You can do it if you want. Uh, but but give it a try. Let us know what you think, and that's a, that's a little bit of a comfort food for for those of us from from Utah anyway. And uh, I don't know. And when Brandon got up there and sang that too, I, I think it was another. I don't necessarily think those are his favorite or probably go to dishes, but I think it's more just relating with with the crowd in the state to say, "Hey, I'm one, I'm one of you guys," and you know, proving that I can relate because I know what green jello is and I know what uh, funeral potatoes are, and I know those are important to us culturally. So. 
it was a fun thing to see. It was, uh, I mean, he sang a few other songs with, with Dawes as well. It would have been a good show to go to. Like I say, just quit your jobs. Just go to shows full-time at night, and, and you're bound to see some really cool things. That's that's my advice. Yeah, I just wanted to mention from the other song, I wasn't familiar with it, uh, the other song they sang together, which is a Johnny Cash song called I Came to Believe. And something that, as I listened to it, I thought, this was a, a perfect song <laughs> for the podcast. <laughs> Maybe we can do a Johnny Cash podcast, Jimmy. I'd be all on board. Well. You know, he's a friend of mine. So this is a song from American Five, which is one of the last albums of, you know, of Johnny Cash's that songs that he sang before he passed away. And but it's just got some some pressure machine lyrics in there. <laughs> so it says, and I came to believe in a power much higher than I. And I heard that and I thought higher powers, higher powers, higher powers <laughs> than me. <laughs> and the next line, I came to believe that I needed help to get by. I was like, well, I mean, you know, the lyrics that we've talked about over the last year and a half, they're not, you know, words that Brandon made up and they're they're common things to say, but it's just fun to see the see the same things repeat. And Yeah, there's uh I think there's a video of Brandon singing that song. I don't know if it was with Dawes or not, but it's almost like a video out in the desert somewhere. And when he's going to do it, uh they're kind of talking beforehand or he's getting interviewed. When Brandon's dad was asked what kind of music he likes. He said he likes country western music, which is the old timey way of saying country music. It used to be known as country western. There's two types of music, Jimmy, country and western. And that's what they liked. Anyway, uh, Johnny Cash was one of his dad's favorite um, singers. And I guess uh, growing up, heard him a lot around the house and that kind of thing. Uh, Johnny Cash happens to be one of my favorite singers as well. So I like that. But uh, yeah, in this American record, these were the ones that Rick, uh, Rick Rubin produced. And kind of uh, revitalized Johnny's career there at the end of his life. Hurt and a bunch of those came out um, that were more well known. But there's there's always faith in Johnny Cash's songs. That's uh, something that he was known for was like uh, faith, love, and, and death. Like he'd sing about killing somebody, loving somebody, and, and Jesus. And in a way, that's kind of where the Killers are, are going down that road a little bit. Their own selves. They have their you know, Miss Atomic Bomb, and they have their love songs, they have their murder trilogy. <laughs> and now, uh, with the Pressure Machine stuff coming out and some of Brand's other stuff, they, they talk about God a lot, too. So it's not uh, it's kind of weird when you think uh, on paper or whatever, like Johnny Cash and Brandon and the Killers and Johnny Cash seem a ways apart in the musical world with the tempo beats and, and you know, style singing. But then when you read lyrics and stuff, it's like it's not, not that far apart and it wasn't that large of a stretch, but yeah. That's a it's a good song. Go listen to the Johnny Cash version. Go listen to the Brandon and Dawes version. And uh, it's just talking about. I think there's something there when you when you get famous or when you get to a certain point. The average guys have average problems. Like you know, we have our day to day things. We got money. We got work circumstances. You got other obligations. I think there's a point where you become uh, financially independent or wealthy enough that those really don't apply to you. Like. To some extent, you know, you, you got a lot of things made. And I think uh, people have problems, whether it's drugs or different things that come in, because you get different temptations. You're, you're in a different spot. The, the things that apply to most of us don't apply at that point. So I think that there's something higher than, like, a lot of, a lot of times you'll find that these people uh, go down one path or another. And with Brandon and Johnny Cash, they, they came, you know, I think more firm in their spirituality Spirituality, that sounds like I'm from Nephi right there. That was a Utah word. Uh, they, they find their spiritual side more 
and they seem to rely more on their faith. And I think it's comforting to them when they do find out that there's a higher power that they uh, find some uh, comfort in that. And it, I don't know, some people don't go that way. But if, if you look, a lot of people uh, come out of rehab or different situations and they almost become a born-again Christian or, or go real real hard on that level. But anyway, I just thought it was kind of interesting that way. Um, I don't know if that's the truth or not. That's just my perspective of uh, it seems like normal people have normal problems. Then uh, the more money you have, different problems arise. And uh, one of the things that kind of grounds people is when they realize that there's a higher power. And that's what this whole song is about. So we need to find out. I guess we need to talk to John off the air about um, what he's going to be manifesting to the universe next. <laughs> I don't know if we mentioned that. Did, you, did we mention in the beginning that Dawes, the two brothers from Dawes, are also background singers on the Getting By? I don't know that we no, we, we, we talked about it beforehand, but Derek found that little tidbit. So yeah, I think Dawes and uh, Brandon have been working together. It seems like they've been writing together. Uh, talked about he's he's flown Taylor out to Utah, or I don't know if he flew him, but Taylor's came out to Utah and spent time writing with Brandon. Uh, looks like they worked on Pressure Machine, and might have started writing during imploding the Mirage somewhere in there. So maybe there's more things to come. Yeah, sounds like there's an, uh, another song they wrote together that has yet to make the light of day. At least one. So. Yeah, I'm sure the collaborations will will likely continue. Seems like, uh, I think you said Dawes opened for him in Mexico a couple dates. Yeah, last year. So that's our that's our, that's probably the most Dawesiest of podcasts that have ever been done. I don't know. I guess I shouldn't we'll say that. We'll have to that. search that. Let's see if that's true. Yeah, that's probably true, Darren. But if you're a Killers and a Dawes fan, that's probably the, the best episode you've ever heard about both bands together at the same time. I can say that much. So when you go home tonight... Try some jello salad and get you some funeral potatoes and uh, just relax because that's another episode down from Lonely Town. <laughs>